Welcome everyone to FF Plus, your outlet for weekly reviews that are simple, short, and spoiler-free. I'm your host, Aaron White. But for this episode, I'm not alone. Again! I guess I'm making a habit of having guests. Uh, Here with me for this week's review of a documentary that explores the history of Negro baseball leagues is my friend and fellow Seattle film critic, Tim Hall. Hello, hello, hello. Thanks for having me. Thank you for coming on. I really wanted to have another perspective for this. And I thought this is cool, Tim, because it is a great time to celebrate baseball and its history in general, because the All-Star Game is right here in Seattle this very week of this movie release. I think it's got good timing. So I'm excited for that. With that said, here goes uh, The League from Magnolia Pictures, featuring interviews from a whole host of folks in history, including Maya Angelou, briefly. I thought that was neat. Yeah. This was directed by Sam Pollard and based on the book The Negro Baseball Leagues by Bob and Byron Motley. Cinematography is by Henry Adabonadojo Angel Barroeta. Music is by Catherine Bostic, and it is edited by Dave Marcus. It runs 103 minutes and is rated PG for thematic content involving racism, a racial slur, and some violent images and smoking. What's it about? Told through the personal experience of notable Negro League umpire Bob Motley, the picture explores black baseball as a stage for some of the world's best athletes, an economic and social pillar of black communities, and the unintended consequences of MLB integration. The rise and fall of the Negro Leagues follows the arc of race history in the United States. It features interviews from players like Buck O'Neill and many Hall of Fame inductees, including Willie Mays and Hank Aaron. And this documentary celebrates some of the 20th century's best athletes and entrepreneurs while grappling with America's difficult march toward equality, including a discussion on the dissolution of the Negro League, which had its own unfortunate consequences. All right. So right when we got on, Tim was like, Aaron, what would you think of the movie? And I was like, well, you got to wait till I hit record, my friend. But uh, so I'll answer you this now. I really, really enjoyed it, Tim. I thought that. First and foremost, what I go to a documentary for is two things. I want to become more informed. I want to learn something. And I want to be entertained. Yeah. One of my favorite things about documentaries is archival footage. You give me a ton of archival footage and you pretty much have me eaten out of your hand every time. And this documentary has a ton of it. And it's not just sports archival footage. It's newspaper clippings. It's old interview clips. Some of them even without sound, they were so far back. Things like that that really give you a perspective of being in that time period versus someone just talking about it being in the past. And then the the learning part, I had no idea. That's all I can tell you. I feel like I'm that guy who, if you ask me about the Negro Leagues, I'm going to say, yeah, those existed before Major League Baseball. That's where Satchel Paige and Jackie Robinson came from. But that's kind of the extent of my knowledge going into this. And I feel like I learned so much more about the significance of it, the importance of it to black communities. And I I think what one thing that was really interesting to me is one thing noted there in the synopsis as well about how when the Negro Leagues went away, everyone would assume, oh, this is great because now our black players can be integrated. They have the opportunity to play in the big show in the major league baseball, but much like the story of the Negro leagues in general, paralleling 
the civil rights movement in America, that does not necessarily mean that it's better for all of the black community and the black players who many, many of ended up getting left behind because there was nothing left to do. I found that really fascinating, honestly, heartbreaking in a sense. I don't know that I have an answer for it. I just think it's great to learn this kind of history, hopefully so we don't repeat it, but it it was really good. Yeah. And I'm with you. I felt the same way. I, I love the footage. But I also, I mean, that's something my dad always talked about. Like, my first introduction to the Negro Leagues was, I think, my great uncle Dick, who was a, older when I was a kid, and he always would talk about the Negro Leagues. I used to go to a barber shop, and one of the barbers had a picture with Satchel Page, and wow. he, that was like his pride and joy. Right behind his chair was him and Satchel Page, and he played in the Negro Leagues, and it's just him and Satchel smiling. And he loved telling people stories about Satchel Page. Which is to me by far one of the best parts of this documentary is sort of these insane stories about the stuff that he would do. But one of the things that um that I didn't anticipate that I kind of knew was it did run parallel. Like there's the war effort, which people were like, "Hey, if these boys can go die together, let's be able to play together." Then there was an effort as well to integrate America. Then there was an effort to integrate baseball, and the two were like linked. So when you hear people talk about what it meant for Jackie Robinson to break the color line. Part of it is baseball, but a bigger part of it is is showing the world that what will we what we can do if we integrate that people can work together, they can live together, they can do. It is profitable for business. People aren't going to run away. People aren't going to not come to games. Right? It's all this fear mongering that would come about. You know, if you had Negroes playing in your league, which is why Jackie taking that step and sort of taking all those arrows was incredibly important. Whenever I talk to older, like my older uncles. Or my dad, they had such reverence for Jackie Robinson. My great grandfather, for sure. His name was Albert Payne. He was a Tuskegee Airman. Just beloved in the community. But I remember solely him loving the Dodgers. Now, at the time, we lived in the Bay Area. So he would go to Candlestick Park at the time, full Dodgers gear. And he was a big man, so nobody messed with him. But he he loved, and um, I can like hear him saying it. He would say, they did right by Jackie. That was his reasoning. They yeah. didn't write about that kid. There's an interesting part here about Jackie Robinson, and, and I love that it doesn't come. I mean, th- this definitely follows the trajectory of the league, so that yeah. comes towards the end. But the one major quote that I wrote down, I wanted to actually bring up that it almost had me in tears. I'll be honest; it really was powerful to me. It is after they're talking about Robinson and his integration and. First, it's kind of led into by this scene where there's someone talking about how interesting it was at that first game. They said you there were three distinct groups of people. There were blacks who were cheering, right? Everybody in the stands who was like absolutely stoked to see someone like them. There were whites who were booing and throwing things. And then there were whites who were standing and cheering and those who were didn't have a care in the world. They just wanted to see great ba- baseball players. And it was like this, you know, perfect kind of example of America in a nutshell yeah. uh, right there in the ba- baseball stadium. But th- they lead into this quote about Robinson and what he accomplished by being rookie of the year and helping mm-hmm. the Dodgers win the pennant in, his, in that year. And he, he says this, uh, this is from Larry Lester, who was a Negro League scholar. And he says, a dark skinned black man puts on a white uniform, picks up a bat made of white ash, stares at a white batter's box to a white baseball from a white pitcher, 
thrown over a white home plate, hits the ball between two white foul lines. He's called out or safe by a white umpire, while white fans boo or cheer. He was an ink spot on the white canvas of injustice. So no matter how you feel, he was under tremendous pressure to try and blend in. And man, that was combined with learning about Jackie Robinson having mental struggles. And at one point, his doctor even telling him like, dude, you got to give up baseball because it's not (laughs) good on your heart. Like it was crazy. This man, he carried the weight uh, in a way that no one else has had to quite do. Yeah, no one's had to do. The one thing I did cry watch this documentary and it was none of the, you know, the racism, although all the stuff is bad, you know, the conditions that they were living in when they were trying to play was even more depressing. But it was Buck O'Neill recalling the day that Jackie Robinson signed. So he tells this this story about, I think he's on a, a military base somewhere. They call him into the room. He says, have you heard? He says, what? Jackie Robinson signed a major league baseball contract with the, with the um, Brooklyn Dodgers. He said, give me that horn. And he makes this announcement. And he said, we hooped and we hollered and we didn't get a lot of sleep that night. And he said, this was it. And he had a smile on his face. And it was the joy he had that really made me emotional. Because it meant so much to these guys who had played in the league. It meant so much to, to, to race relationships in the United States at the time. That it was more than just him signing a contract to play baseball. And you could see that and hear that in, in Buck O'Neill's voice. And that to me was moving because it reminded me so much of like my great grandmother and like conversations we would have when I was a kid. And they would recall these stories that were similar. Like she loved tennis, but there was no space for her in tennis. You know what I mean? And just there was a sadness in her voice when she would talk about it. But I would sit on the edge of her bed and watch Wimbledon with her and watch the French Open. And she would just talk about these great tennis players that she knew. Did never had a chance. Yeah. I mean, it, yeah. it's it's frustrating. It's why it's so hard to have these discussions, too, because an integration at the end of this being a good example of, I, I don't know if I can quite make the connection, but something yeah. like affirmative action where you're, you say you're giving an opportunity for someone for equality, but like by doing the difference in equality and equity is something people don't always understand. Right. And that is sort of what ended up happening here. Yeah. Unintentionally. I mean, I don't think that it was somebody sat down and was like, well, we'll put the Negro leagues out of business by doing this. I doubt that was the plan. It was business. It was, we want to have these players because they're good and we're, we're willing, we're now willing to take that chance and we'll make money. (laughs) And then they didn't really care what happened to the rest that were not able to be on the teams. No. They didn't care about the league. You know, it's funny. Um, I listened to an interview the other day, and the guy made a comment about the real sins of slavery. And it made me think about this documentary as I watched it. The real sin of slavery isn't necessarily the abuse or the free labor or the stealing of, of bodies and selling of people. It was it was the idea that black were inferior, that we couldn't work with them. They weren't smart enough. They weren't fully human in some cases. They were animalistic. They can't date your daughters. All those types, they're, they're only good for help and menial jobs. And that never went away. Civil War happens, but that sentiment crossed, that crossed the Mason-Dixon line. That was something that people felt and believed, even if they weren't involved with slavery, even if they'd never owned slaves. And you see that today. And that's part of the Jackie Robinson conversation. That's part of the Negro League conversation, which was this, this I don't know if you've you noticed it, this, this weird fear in the film, right? At the beginning, we noticed, we know that there were actually black ball players playing baseball. New commissioner comes in, he puts it into that. He's like, we're done. And it's always been this thing that's sort of been outside of baseball, right? So Negro Leagues happen, 
they're booming, and then they start, you know, barnstorming. And those games are close, and they're losing some of the games. They could into that. They're like, nah, we can't do that. The, the way they spoke about the Negro League style of play, it was too flashy. That was interesting. Yeah, I love interesting. the. I love how they compared it to the modern game, right? Yeah. How nowadays that's what we want. We want to see Ozzy Smith, my favorite player of all time, yeah. Ozzy Smith, who's like doing backflips out at yeah. shortstop. And we want to see these guys doing it. But then back in the day, you know, at Babe Ruth's, it was all hit home runs and run around quietly the bases where the Negro Leagues were playing much more dynamic baseball, like yeah. your, what we would call small ball, yeah. you know, using all the tools available yeah. to them. <laughs> Double steals, all that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, they were using the rules and doing it. But it's funny, when they merged the ABA and the NBA, it was a similar conversation. That the ABA was too flashy, they played above the rim, no one wants to see that, they're not playing the baseball basketball the right way. Um, That's so but it's now it's how everyone plays basketball. And yeah. um, same with baseball. So it's fascinating to see sort of history repeat itself um, with the way these leagues are covered and the players were covered, despite them you know, essentially playing the same game and being incredibly talented at it. Absolutely. Two of the individuals that I was really excited to get to learn about that I did not even know existed at all prior to watching this, Andrew Rube Foster. Yeah. This was a founder, owner, and manager of the Chicago American Giants, but also a pitcher who had seven no-hitters himself. Yeah. There's an incredible story. I don't know if I, I don't want to quite give it all away because people yeah. need to watch this movie, but there's it talks about how he invented a specific baseball pitch and <laughs> the way in which that baseball pitch was used by Major League Baseball, by how how people tried to acquire that pitch from him without ever actually yeah. kind of giving him credit. It's a great story, interesting, mm-hmm. uh, but Rube Foster, incredible man. Yeah. And then a guy named... Josh Gibson. Like, I yes. don't know how I don't know about this guy. About Josh Gibson. This dude was a masher. Like, this guy was a hitter. Like, some of the stories that they tell about this guy yeah. are incredible. And, I mean, this is what makes the documentary so great is, again, we have, like, pictures to go with this stuff. So they talk about a home run he hit, and they show us the stadium, and they tell us the distance, and they use a graph to show that. And then they actually show the stadium and this sign that he hit. And, I mean... It was just, it's really incredible to learn about athletes that I had no idea existed. And it's so sad that in many ways, even now, history has erased these guys because they weren't in the specific league that the white people saw, you know, that the the majority of the people who got the journal, the people who had the power to write the articles and put the press out, etc. Right. At the time, they said there were like two black publications that were really covering it. Um, outside of that, there was no real coverage of it. There's no real stats. There's no no record of any of these incredible feats. It's, instead of like like you heard the Satchel Page stories that were told, it's people telling these stories about what they saw when they were there at the park, and yeah. they sort of gets passed down like you know fairy tales and mother goose tales because it sounds so absurd that someone could do something like that, but it actually happened. It does. I was trying to remember who it was. They talk about somebody else in the film who was also a Hall of Fame pitcher who had a great relationship with Satchel Page. Apparently, they were really good friends. And he had made the comment that he was like, you put us both on the same oh, yeah. team. He mm-hmm. said, we'll win you the pennant by the All-Star. Still hot. And I was like... <laughs> he said, we can go fishing for the rest of the season yeah, and stuff that, play That's a heck of a... Com- like, that is, I love it when athletes have that sort of level of confidence. But, but, but he, think about the context of it, right? It's a white baseball player talking about a Negro player at mm-hmm. the time where 
that wasn't a popular thing to do. And he, without a beat, was like, this Negro boy named Satchel Page. And he's incredible. Like, didn't didn't stutter. And that's important. To, that tells you how incredible Satchel Page was, that he could get that out of people. Absolutely. Yeah. Definitely. Um, but, uh, before we move on, you know what I did learn that I didn't know about? Was that these Negro League players would go down to Dominican Republic. Yes. Play. I this had was no the, idea. The influx of Latino baseball players came from the Negro. I had no idea either. And think about the style of play, and I was like, this makes all of the sense in the world. It does. It absolutely and I'm does. Like, How can I never make that connection? But yeah, it makes I, sense. Yeah, that they would travel down there, and that is where it kind of took hold. And then they just started coming up uh, into the Negro Leagues, and, you know, baseball's never been the same. Um, Latino, yeah. Latino. Baseball players have dominated this sport in many ways. Uh, many in, ways. For, for in, the, in recent Incredible. decades. Incredible. <laughs> yeah. you, you look at some of the – if you look at all the stats and like these guys, like uh, what's his name? L.A. De La Cruz yesterday. Mm-hmm. Hits yep. a single, steals first. I mean, still amazing. second, still third, still something. That was incredible, by the way. I, I haven't seen that in my life. I've never oh, seen that before in my Awesome. Life. I just – and yeah, I, I love stuff like that. You think that about too. his style of play and you think about this documentary and you're like, <laughs> yeah. I get it. <laughs> they show the pictures of like Babe Ruth's like scowl to kind of like show opposite. <laughs> it is just so perfect, you know. And and I love that one of the – the I think he's a right – I can't remember who said it. But yeah. someone says, just to make a note, Babe Ruth hit – Oh, they're talking about Hank Aaron's home yeah. run record. And they said, Babe Ruth never had a home run off a black pitcher. Just want to put that mm-hmm. out there. <laughs> never did. Another thing about Hank Aaron, I watched a documentary about him once. He was under a lot of pressure, which is which is kind of made me sad. Like, man, he was under all that pressure. He just wants to play baseball and break yeah. a record. And it was – and they, they kind of touch on that in the movie 42 with, with Branch Rickey. And he's reading all the hate mail from – Jackie Robbins, because someone comes up with one letter, he's like, yo, that's all that's all Jackie gets. Um, that that was a real thing that people did. And that's that part made me sad. Like, man, Hank Aaron, man, did, under all that imagine if he didn't have to play with any of that pressure. Yeah. And I wonder what it what he could have accomplished, right? How long he could have played. Yeah. And the fact that they're able to do that. I mean, it's yeah, it's something that most people will never ever have to experience. No. You know, anything no. anything remotely like that. Mm-hmm. I did want to ask you kind of tangentially yeah. to this documentary. You are a big fan of a video game called Major League Baseball, the show. You play it every year. In fact, yeah. other than that, Spider-Man, I don't know if I've ever seen you playing anything else on my PlayStation when I see you <laughs> on my personal. Those are my two favorite games. Those, those are the games. But uh, Spider-Man, not not exactly uh, a comparative to this. But Major League Baseball, the show, the 2023 version had a specific story mode that I believe you play in the Negro Leagues. And I want you played it. Is that correct? Yeah, I play it. So the story mode, um, this is what I do. I'm not going to evangelize about this game, but I do love the game. Okay. It's a great sports game. But How is I the Negro, is the Negro League thing interesting? Does it have good history? Yeah. Is it fun? It's fun. So there's different modes you can play. Can and I be Josh Gibson? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I haven't gone through all of I haven't gone through all of them, but you might be, I'll check. You might be able to. But so it's different players, and so it's like a story mode. And so throughout the story mode, you'll do different things. Like for Satchel Page, it'll say, it said like, pitch two innings, strike out four batters, don't give up a run. So you, you got to go through, and, and if you complete it, then you win something. You start with like winning like a jersey, so you'll get like a Grays jersey or whatever. Then you'll win like the stadium they played in. 
that at the end of that story mode for that player, you win that player's card. And you can play with them in Diamond Dynasty with your Diamond Dynasty team. Yeah. You can okay. play with them. You can I have Satchel Page on my team. You can pitch with them. It's fun. So then for every player, it's that. But in it, they're telling history. They're telling stories about the Negro League. They're informing. There's a lot of fun information about the players, uh, the situation they were in, their their careers. So it's, I learned a lot about Satchel Page just playing that mode in the game. Some of the awesome. stories that they told in the doc were in there. They talk about that how he played in the majors late in his life and could still pitch and people still came out to see him play. So yeah, if you're into baseball, uh, get the game. Uh, you'll learn a lot about the Negro leagues and it's kind of fun to like, play in these old stadiums because the graphics are really, really good. Yeah. So it looks fun when you're playing these old stadiums and, and, and having a ball. I love it. I love pitching with Sasso Page. He's fun. Cool. All right. Yeah. I need to get to it. I have not played the mode yet. I've been, yeah. Anyway, we don't need to talk about what I've been yeah. playing. I know what you've been, been busy. Playing. Yeah, all I've been doing <laughs> for a lot of time. But I do love that game, and I do want to play through that. And now I want to play through it more than ever because of this doc. So I think it pretty much stands to reason that Tim and I are both big fans of this. We give it a hearty recommendation. This film actually is going to have a theatrical run. I don't know how long. Right now, it is exclusively in AMC theaters. It did premiere at Tribeca Film Festival a couple weeks ago. So it's in AMC theaters. Go check it out. This is a great kind of movie to give your dollars to indie films like this. They need it. Disney doesn't. But if you can't do that, The League will be available on video on demand beginning on July 14th. So you can just watch it from the comfort of your home like Tim and I did. And it plays just fine there as well. Tim, thank you for joining me, man. I appreciate it. This was thank you for having me. Nice. I appreciate it. Yeah, I was. I appreciate being able to talk through this with you, who has a better understanding of some of this stuff. And yeah, I'm really glad that I got this. This was a random one where I didn't know about this movie at all. It just showed up in my inbox, and I was like, you know, that's a topic that I'm interested in. I'm going to watch that, and so hopefully, our conversation will inspire some other folks to do that. Where can people read your reviews and follow your film criticism thoughts? Uh, the People's Critic blog. You can follow me there. You can follow me on, I guess, Twitter still. That's still, that's still available. <laughs> Threads, Instagram. I'm, I'm, I'll do, I'll, I offer this to everyone whenever I'm on a podcast. Feel free to ask me movie questions because my friends do all the time. It's free labor I give up all the time. Does that happen to you too? It does. Yes. <laughs> Nonstop. <laughs> Nonstop. So yes. don't. Don't feel like you're. In, it happens. I'm already probably thinking about something when I get a message like, "Hey, have you seen this movie?" And I'm happy to answer those questions. He's a big '80s movie fan. He's a big yeah. horror movie fan. Yes. So, so those are some genres that he has a great Love knowledge. His, in I just especially. watched this dumb movie about this couple searching for Bigfoot. I'm like, <laughs> this is a dumb idea. <laughs> <laughs> what are you gonna do if you find him? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it is bad. It is, to be clear, it is bad for them. Obviously, they're searching for Bigfoot, and it's not Harry. No, no, real Bigfoot. <laughs> I, think, I think it's cute, and then they run to real Bigfoot, and it's not. It's not so much fun anymore. <laughs> of course, shocker. <laughs> oh man! All right. Well, I will link Tim's socials and his blog in the show notes to this episode, so it's easy for you guys to just click on that and bookmark it and follow along. Other than that, thank you guys for listening. I'll be back soon. Until then, keep watching and keep feeling filled.